Hello and welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Tozak, women's transformation coach, breathwork facilitator, and embodiment mentor. Here to guide you on the journey of coming home to who you truly are so that you can live a life as the most authentic, abundant, and aligned version of you. By listening to this podcast, you will gain more self-awareness, break past your subconscious blocks, fear-based stories, and limitations that are holding you back from living the life that you truly desire. You can expect to walk away feeling more connected and aligned with your purpose, your body, and your authentic self. We will be having conversations about everything energy, mindset, emotional intelligence, shadow and inner child work, and the conversations that you need to hear to take a look within and reclaim yourself as a powerful being and conscious creator. By listening to this podcast, you will learn practical and implementable tools to help you create your life by design and not by default. I am so excited to have you here today. Now let's dive in. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another fucking awesome episode of the Tailored Life Podcast. I am so excited to be sharing this one with you today because I had the opportunity to interview a dear friend of mine who also is a lawyer, and she is just incredible. She's an incredible human. She's an incredible attorney, and she works with coaches and entrepreneurs, and she helps them get spiritually connected and legally protected. I just love that slogan so much. She also has a Reiki infused crystal business and she believes that when you set up your legal in your business and you ensure that you have everything in order, it creates an energetic shift from you just being to from you just having a business to you being the CEO of a company. And I will attest to this and say this is the absolute truth. Ever since I started getting my business in order, the things that made me feel the most supported are having things like contracts, release of liability, waiver forms. I'm even getting some trademarking done in my business. Like all of these things that take you from just having a business to being a company. And so Alyssa is incredible and she really is here to help you step into your fullest expression and your CEO self. So she brings in so much wisdom, so much experience. Today she shares her story. She shares some of the mistakes that people make in the beginning of their business. And if you are trying to figure out all of the legal stuff, where you should start. So she also offers you guys a free discovery call at the end of the episode. So if you do want to ask her some questions, if you want to pick her brain about anything legal in your business, I highly, highly recommend taking this opportunity. Any links to her profile, to her applications are all in the show notes below. And you can go and find her on Instagram at Alyssa Kaner. And she is just so sweet and so incredible. And I'm really excited to be sharing her with you guys today. So let's dive into today's episode. All right. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today. I'd love to start out by introducing you to everybody who's listening to the podcast. And if you feel called to share your story and what got you into law and all of the exciting stuff that you do now and what you do now. Awesome. Thank you so much, Taylor. I'm so excited to be here. I like I, I just adore you. You're amazing. And I'm so happy that I get to be here and connect with your audience. So I, a little bit about me, I've spent like, 
I kind of like chose the legal path because it was like, that's how my family is. It's like, you go to professional, you know, you go to professional school, like you either get your MBA, you get your MD, you get your, um, you get your JD. So I was like, um, out of all those things, what do I like the best? (laughs) Which is so now like being like an awakened conscious human is just like so ridiculous, but I'm glad I get to bring, I now get to bring my expertise to all these beautiful entrepreneurial goddesses that um, I get to serve. It's so much fun. And so I, let's see, I started, I've been like working at large law firms for my whole career, basically. And I spent, and I just always wanted to go on my own and I never really could think of what to do. And then all of a sudden, I remember one day I was just literally sitting on the couch and like, that was probably my first download that ever I've ever had. <laughs> and I was like, like sitting on the couch. I don't remember what I was doing, probably watching TV or something. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. Like I get to empower entrepreneurs and get them set up in their business so that we can avoid, like, there's so many reasons why I love to do this. I think number one, um, it sets you up for success and it kind of, you know, we get, we get to avoid problems. Like when we get our legal shit in order, we are not, you know, we are, we are set up and we don't have problems down the line, like for as many, you know, and this, and like when we, and we'll talk about the things that I think are the most important, but I also think that not, not only that, I think that the energy behind doing that and behind like getting your legal shit together just really like helps you step into your power and your, your, you know, energy as a, is you're like a fucking CEO when you do this stuff. Like it's a CEO move to hire an attorney, right? Like, and when you get your contracts and all that, and when you get protected, I think it's just like, that is a big, huge shift in your brain, really. Yes. Yes. I feel like once you have all of your legal stuff in order, you feel so much more supported by it. And it's like, you are backed by your contracts or your business registration or the LLCs or the trademarks. And so you just get to be so focused in your zone of genius. And you know that like, I'm good and I'm supported no matter what, rather than having like the question marks of what if, what if in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something for new entrepreneurs where they're like, okay, so I know I need to set up a business. And like, I have all this like overwhelming legal stuff that I need to take care of. I'd be curious, like what you feel is the most important for not only like a new entrepreneur, but like, what could they prioritize to feel really supported by their legal system and like being legally set up? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think that if I had to pick one thing and one thing only, I would say getting us just a rock solid contract. And if you need a waiver, if you're doing some sort of um, something with like healing or physicality, then you definitely need a waiver. And that's probably, I mean, those two kind of go hand in hand, but it, uh, a contract for sure, for sure, for sure. A contract. I know when I started, I didn't have like a legitimate contract. And I was always so worried about like, what if something happened and I didn't feel really protected. 
Whereas now it's like, now the back end of my legal contracts is very much set up. And so it's like, you feel very much more supported. And so when it comes to contracts and stuff like that, do you suggest that people do like a generic contract doing something specific? Do you design those for people? Do you have like PDFs or something that they can download? What would you say would be a first step for someone who doesn't really have that in place right now? Yeah. So I would say, please, please, please do not go to Google. And if you do go to Google, we can talk to, we can talk about refining it, but I, I do personally, it's my, I think it's important to have a custom, a customized contract because that will make, cause then you'll know for sure. Even if all you, if, even if you don't have an attorney necessarily like create it from start to finish, if you have someone review it, I think that's, you know, I would say the best thing you could possibly do is just have someone create your contract. But if that's not something that's that you're ready to do yet and you find one off the internet, then having someone just look at it is so important because there could be some weird stuff in there that does not apply to you at all. And mm-hmm. your client signs that and they're bound to it and you're bound to it as well. And so I think what's really important to for people to maybe understand is that a contract is not something that should be looked at as like contentious. And it's like, you know, like if, if we had an agreement and you signed, like you sent me your coaching agreement and I was like, oh, I guess I'm stuck to sign this. It's not really like that. It's really, it's, it, it shouldn't feel that way. I want it to feel more like this is a document that is like basically defining the relationship between you and your client. And just as, you know, your client is yours, you want your client to sign so that, you know, they're going to pay you, they're going to, you know, they're going to make sure that you're going to make sure that you're protected. It's also really important for your client as well, because you want to make sure, you know, you're, you've made these promises to deliver certain, certain, certain things. And I mean, a contract, when your client signs a contract, you're bound to deliver that to your client as well. So it's Mm -hmm. not just, you know, I'm going to get, I'm signing this because I want them to know that they can't get their money back and there's no refunds and I'm going to get my money and like, all you know, it's, it's, while that is very, very important, it's also really important to have your client feel safe in the fact that you're going to deliver what you say you're going to deliver and they're going to get results, you know, well, they'll get results if they do the work, but you know, they're going to get, they're going to get what they are paying for. Yeah. I think that's a really good reframe too, is that it's like, you're protected on both ends. It's not just about the coach making sure that they're supported, but it's also about the client. And I know from like a client perspective, contracts can be really daunting sometimes when we're like looking at this like 15 page document and reading through it. And like, how would you suggest a reframe in our relationships to either like signing a contract from a client perspective, because I know that like, um, for myself personally, something I had to work through was self-trust and commitment. Like I'm actually deciding like, shit, I'm fucking committed now. I got to sign this contract. And so I think it becomes like a really beautiful opportunity for like changing the story that we have about ourselves and like, you know, declaring that I am committed now, but what would you offer as like a mindset or energetic reframe around contracts from both perspectives? Yeah. I love that. And when I talk to my clients, I, I say, 
when we, when we like end up, you know, working together, what I usually say is I'm just going to send you an agreement that is just going to define the scope of the work that we're doing together. And mm-hmm. then when we both, and then if you would just, you know, review it and sign it, that would be amazing. And then we can, and then we can, you know, feel safe working together. And I think that that's really what it's about in, from an energetic perspective, it's about, it's about safety in a way. It's about your, the client feeling safe that you're, you know, especially when you have, when you hire a coach, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a it huge deal. And like, you're going to be sharing, you know, like from a client perspective, the client is going to be sharing so much with the coach, with you, let's say, let's, let's, we'll use you. And yeah, we'll use Taylor and they're, they're going to be, they're going to be sharing such deep stuff with you. And especially, you know, when they're growing a business, it's like, it's so weird how growing a business is like, you're also growing yourself. Oh yeah. It's like when it's, and, and when you, you want your client in every way to feel safe and comfortable to actually be honest and open with you because if they can't be, then they can't get the results. And so, and, and same for you, if you want to feel safe that your client is going to hold up their end of the bargain as well, and that energetic exchange is going to be there and you know, it's going to be there. And so I think just having an agreement, like I, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe agreement is just a better word. It's like, it's an an agreement between you and the client and that you're both going to hold up your end of the bargain. And some, something that I really like to put and not just monetarily, honestly, something that I really like to put into my contracts too, with my clients that are coaches, especially is that like what you expect for your client, what do you expect your client to come to the call with? Right. Like how, like, what do you, you know, what do you expect them to like, how do you expect them to show up in your relationship working together? And also, you know, boundaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> boundaries are super important. Too. <laughs> oh my God. Like, they I can't are. tell you how many clients I've had that have just like decided that they can text me at all hours of the day and night. And I'm like, um, and at first I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to. And, you know, sometimes, and it's not just me. I think, I think a lot of coaches and a lot of, you know, newer business women in business feel like, they have to kind of bend their boundaries to, to keep, to gain more income, to gain more clients, because they think that these people aren't going to want to work with you necessarily. If you're not honoring, if you just, if you honor boundaries or you set boundaries and you say, you know, Hey, like I don't text my clients, please use Voxer. Or I, you know, I don't respond between, you know, I only respond between the hours of 10 AM and 4 PM. Like, some people are scared to do that. And if you, and if you are even a little bit afraid to do that, putting that in the initial contract is such a good way to just set that, like that boundary is set. And like, if they, if they, and sometimes, you know, honestly, people don't always read. So, but when you sign something, you're bound by it. Right. And so I, it's also really important to read. And if you don't, but even if, you know, if someone breaks your boundaries and, they're in the contract, you can say, Hey, listen, like, I, I really appreciate, you know, like, thank you for reaching out. I promise you, I will get back to you during the hours, you know, before by like 10 AM tomorrow. That's, you know, if you refer to our contract, if you see our contract, like that's what that's, you know, that's, those are the times when I am available to, to speak to my clients. And I hope, and so thank you so much. And I promise I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then you don't have to feel 
uncomfortable or like your client's going to be like, well, whatever, I'll just find a coach that will get back to me 24 hours a day. You know, I think that's Mm. super important. I think so too. I really do. And I think that having a contract and agreement in place sets a higher standard for both the coach and the client. Mm -hmm. And like, for me to say, like, I know when I added in my boxer hours to my contract, I was really, really clear about when I was available and I felt more supported by it. Whereas before it was just like 24 seven boxer. And then I felt Mm -hmm. guilty when I didn't show up. And then it was just like this muddled confusion between me and the client and like their expectations aren't clear my expectations are like not clear so it's like when we can set the expectation ahead of time it creates so much more clarity so much more trust and so much more ease in the relationship and then if it does come to the boundary it's like hey yeah like I am here for you and I want to support you I just know that I can I'm better within these hours and I will get back to you tomorrow just like you said and then I think that upholding a boundary and a standard that is an opportunity for the client to also meet us there because Mm -hmm. in honesty like I would I would feel so codependent with a coach that was constantly responding to every single Voxer message I had and I think that it it creates a level of self-leadership where you can't always just be like hey you know I'm fighting with my boyfriend and I need you respond to me right away. And I actually did that the other day with a client where, you know, I do have really clear boundaries around Voxer. But one of the things that I realized recently is I want to streamline it even more. So we're more effective together. So now I'm like, Hey, instead of just like dumping emotionally into Voxer, like journal your stuff out, let it yourself process it. And then even if you get to the process on your own, share with me like what you've realized, if you have any other questions, and then that way I can support you even more rather than it being like this codependent relationship mm-hmm. where it's just like, I need you to solve all my problems for me. There's really clear guidelines and expectations ahead of time. And so I'd love to ask you based on kind of like your experience working with clients, what do you feel is like the number one Mm, I don't want to use the word mistake, but mistake that they make when it comes to all of the legal stuff, when it comes to starting a business or even creating new stuff within their business. Mm, mm, This is really good. Okay. So I would say there's two, well, not having a contract or getting a contract off Google and not, I mean, we're not going to talk about this anymore, but that like, that is a, that can be a really big problem in a lot of ways. But I think also another thing when it comes to creation in and also just branding in general is not doing a trade, not doing a trademark search. That is so important in so many ways because you need to know. And if you if you have a program like, I don't know, you have a program idea that you love or a a brand overarching brand name that you love so much and you don't know and you don't do any searching. And you don't know if there's someone out there using it for similar, for something similar, like that can be a major, major problem Mm. and it can be very expensive. So Mm. that's something that I always tell, like, I always tell my clients, I always tell new business owners. And I, I mean, this is not something that you have to have an attorney do, but you, you know, an attorney will know where to look and what, and and what to look for, of course, Mm -hmm. but you want to make sure, even if all your, you know, you want to just make sure that you are 
good to go with your brand because if mm-hmm. someone has a registered trademark and they think that what you're doing is infringing upon that trademark, then they can sue you. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they do. And especially if it's a larger company, I've worked for very large law firms and they definitely have cl- their clients go after small businesses. And that can be very scary, very costly. You know, you would, you'd have to rebrand and maybe start your marketing all over again, just basically changing everything. And like, I don't want that to happen to anyone that's listening to this. Um, I don't want that to happen to anyone, anyone in business, but I really just feel like that is such a, such an important thing to know that you're in the clear when it comes to your branding. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'd be curious to know, because like, so when it comes to trademarking, obviously you'd want to do it for like your business or your brand name, but let's just say, for example, um, there's like two water companies and they both have the same name. Obviously that's like grounds for a lawsuit. If let's just say one is a water company, but the other one is like a lawnmower company. Is that also the same? You can also, even if they're completely different entities. That is different. So like, if you, yeah, if there's a water company, let's say like, what kind of, what can we use as an example? Um, I don't know. Let's say Apple. I don't know why I'm looking at my iPhone, right? So (laughs) (laughs) like looking around for brands. Okay. So if there's Apple as a phone and then Apple Mm -hmm. as like a furniture company, Mm -hmm. those things are so wildly different that it doesn't matter. Yeah, because the, so basically what we're trying to, what like we're trying to avoid and what, you know, when you actually do go through the trademarking process, what they are trying to, what they're looking for is would a consumer or one of your potential clients even just be confused. So Mm. like an accidentally, you know, accidentally buy from you versus, you know, a furniture company or try to, you know, or wait, no, that didn't make sense. Would, would a consumer like accidentally go to Apple, the phone company and look for patio furniture? Probably not, right? It's two totally different markets. But if there's Apple, you know, Apple is the phone technology company. And then there's maybe, I don't know what would be similar to that. An Apple, Apple laptop company or something like that. Yeah. If they're two and separate Apple phones, yeah. Apple laptop, like those things yeah. would, that would be too similar. So it's like, if there's coaching, you know, if you have, a, if you're a life coach and you see that there's someone that has a similar branding to you and they're a personal trainer or a nutrition coach, that most likely is a little too close. Mm, so, nice. I mean, it that, that kind of depends, but like that could be really close. But if there's some, if you're branding your program, let's say you have a money mindset program and that program has the same name as a program for, I don't know why this pops in my head, yoga teacher training, whatever, same, like, and it's so random, but like those things are probably a little bit different. So that like, can no, fly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So then secondary question would be, do you suggest that a coach trademarks every single program that they create? Cause I know that like in yeah. the coaching industry, there's a lot of people that have, um, similar names. Like, I think I've been in like three different programs by different coaches called 
money magic or like mindset or like, you know, quantum leaping or whatever the heck it is. Right. 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 So, so do you suggest that it's like you trademark every single program that you create or just the things that are like really your trademarked program? And an example that I would use is maybe like Rachel, Bell, Rachel Bell's um, online coach accelerator, for example, like mm-hmm. I've seen different programs that are also labeled OCA, but I don't think it's trademarked. Whereas if she had trademarked right. it, would people also be able to use OCA? Yeah. So what I would say to that is, I don't think you, you, I mean, you don't have to trade like, like, especially with you, like you're creating like a fucking like crazy person. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, same man, Manny Jen, right. Yeah. Like we're always creating and like, if you're offering, like, if you're, if there's a program that you're going to offer one time, one time only, and you know, it's, it's, you've named it like that's, you know, you, you probably don't have to trademark that. I would just be on the lookout for something that is on the market that has that same name or something Mm. very similar. Uh, (laughs) That's what I would say for that. I would say if it's a program that or like, if it's like a podcast title and you're going to be committed to that podcast title, I would say that would be something important. Or if it's like, like you mentioned the signature program, the signature Mm -hmm. program, I I think that that would be, that would be pretty important because then, you know, people can, people get, people rip off. I mean, there's some like weird energy behind ripping off coaches and, and that probably won't sell very well anyway, when you're trying to copy someone else, because you see that it worked for them. But you know, you want, you want to make sure that if that's, you're going to be your signature, your signature offering, then I would say yes. And especially like online coach accelerator, if that's like something that's like a subtitle, you can't really trademark that anyway, because it's not unique. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about that, but like your major, your, yeah, your signature programs, I think is what I would, I would say. That makes sense. Like um, you worked with Desi, for example, right? And you trademark, so she's doing a certification, which is one that I'm also in. And then you trademark Sensual Somatic. And so that's something that's like, you know, now when you think of that name, you specifically think of her. Whereas if I were to also create a certification, I would want to make sure that it was like legitimate to me and there wasn't anything out there. So if someone's searching for a certification, then they would want to find that name specifically. So that makes sense. All right. So I think the whole process of trademarking is, is a process, right? Like you have to search the name, make sure that nobody else out there has it. You have to file for it. What would be the steps that someone would want to take? Like, let's just say there's someone listening to this podcast and they're like, oh fuck, like I really want to create this program and I want to make sure that it's like unique and nobody else is out there that does it. What would the steps be that they would need to take in order to trademark their program or their process or their methodology or whatever it is. Yeah. So I highly recommend hiring an attorney because it can be very complicated and there can be some weird stuff that comes up, but it's so, so here's like what I would generally, what I generally say to my clients is that it's really important to just get it started. It, it, it takes a very long time lately. I don't know what, like they like, I think they blamed COVID or something, which everybody blames COVID. Like no one has, like, there's no, yeah, whatever, but it's, (laughs) but you are, I think that yes, COVID has caused an explosion in people starting their own businesses, right? 
which has caused an explosion in, in trademark applications. So basically it takes about six months to be, it used to, the whole process used to take six months and now it takes six months, maybe more. Some of mine have, it's been a while and we have not seen any activity. And mm. so, so it takes a very long time for them to actually be assigned to a trademark attorney. So what happens is if, you know, we worked together, I would do the trademark search. I would search the USPTO. I would search, you know, Instagram, the internet. Like I would do a very comprehensive search to assess <laughs> the risk of your an trademark overlap. getting accepted. Yeah. yeah. And an overlap and anything potential. And, and then like, if there was something that could, that I could see being a problem, then that's when we would talk and we could regroup. Maybe we add your name. Maybe we, you know, we just switch things up just a little bit to make, mm -hmm. to make it a little more unique and a little more yours. And then, you know, we can, we can like, I always, we can, we can always cross that bridge. There's always a way, but, yeah. but then, so once the application is processed, which takes only like 24 hours after it's filed, maybe, you know, a little bit longer, but that, so so that that's what we want at this point because that will once your application processes it actually shows up in a trademark search so you can so people so that will deter other other companies other women other others from actually using that name because they'll see that it's in process and so mm -hmm. if they were to file the exact file an application behind you like a couple weeks behind you the likelihood of that actually you know, getting, going through versus yours. Well, I, I mean, there's, there's complexities there, but I would say in general, the likelihood of that person that's like, oh shit, Taylor filed, Taylor filed this. Like I gotta, I gotta get in there. Like I, that's my brand. And yeah, if that person had been using that brand for five years and you just came and filed the trademark that there's, that's, that could be different, but if they oh, just like right. if if they just like the name, then yeah. that's not going to fly. So, so yeah. if someone, let's just say, theoretically had an established brand for like five years, they've got like their branding, they have a registered business, all the things, and then they're like, "Well, now I should trademark this." But then Betty Sue comes out of nowhere. She just started her business, and she's like, "I want this name." Would there be kind of like a like you would be more inclined to go for the business who's been pre-established versus the yeah. one that just like popped out of nowhere. Yeah. So basically, so what happens when we file a trademark? So you can file it one of two ways. You can file it mm -hmm. with all the evidence that you've been using your brand. I mean, if you've been using your brand for a month and you have your website and you have, it doesn't have to be any like longer length yeah. of time, but in order to get your trademark actually registered, the USPTO or you know whatever trademark whatever country you're doing it in they need to see that you are you are actively using this brand in order for it to be registered so you can you can file in a way where you have everything up front or yeah. you can file in another way where you have more time to gather the evidence but you're kind of reserving the name in a sense but they're that not going to they're not going to register your trademark until you actually they actually see that you have it that you're in, that you're, you're using it in some yeah. way. You can't just like reserve trademarks. That you, that's interesting. So it's kind of like, you have to take a risk either way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's one of the reasons why it's so important for an attorney to, to do your searches, because then we'll be able to find out 
okay, so there is a brand that's very similar and they have, they have not filed a trademark, but they've been around a long time and it is possible. So there is a period right before registration. There's a, a publication period and it's 30 days long. And mm-hmm. in that 30 days, they have, I mean, a lot, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that people really like examine this trademark is that, but it gets your trade, any uh, potential trademarks that are about to be registered, get published in this gazette. Mm-hmm. And they have, and anyone that wants to oppose it, it's kind of like speak now or forever hold your peace, right? Like it's like that, mm-hmm. then that's mm-hmm. that period where they can, fight, they can say, yeah, they can fight and they can say, oh, well, that's been my brand for five years. I'm in the same industry here's my evidence, here's, you know, and so there's this little window where that can happen. So if mm-hmm. we know that there's a potential for that to happen, it's kind of better to, you know, you want to do the searching and make sure that you know that. Plus, you know, it's, you know, it costs money to file whether you use an attorney or you don't. And if you don't search for it and you just file, then that's not you know. the most effective use of <laughs> money. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So now I want to ask you, because this is a question that I get commonly from my clients as well, which is when it comes to registering a business, obviously there's different ways that you can register your business, sole proprietorship, LLC, a corporation, like what would you say is the most effective way for someone to do it. And I will go back to like me when I started my business, for example. So I started just me, myself, and I, I'm like, you know, 2019, let's like create a coaching business. I registered as a sole proprietorship, which made the most sense at that point in time. But as my business has been evolving, I'm thinking of now registering it as an LLC. And I've also been considering like, should I incorporate my business? You know, like what is the most effective way for me to go? And so how would you guide someone into kind of like making the decision to register their business in the way that's most aligned with them? Yeah. So, so here's, here's the, the downfall of a sole proprietorship is that it's basically you, but you have a business. Right. So if there were legal, so that's why I love, I personally, for a, you know, one to two member company, I love an LLC. I feel like that is, it's just easy. There's other, there's other things you can do that are tax elections that save you money and that kind of stuff. I will not get into that because I'm not, it's not my zone, but I would say an L so a sole proprietor is really cool because you can literally just start a business and that's great. Right. You know, you can just say, yo, today Um, I'm a coach and like, mm -hmm. I'm taking, I'm taking clients. And then if you want to, you know, when you do your taxes, you just kind of file as an, as individual income, which Mm -hmm. whatever that's, that's the extent that I really understand that. But the problem with, so the problem with being a sole proprietor is that you aren't, so you're not separated from your business. So if something were to happen and you were to have a claim against your business and get like either get sued or like something, some sort of legal action happens. Anything that is your personal asset is fair game in that situation. And so we don't, we don't want that. So we want, so if you have an LLC, which is pretty easy and quick to set up and generally depending on the state, it's relatively inexpensive. You get this, it's like, literally it's a limited liability company. And so literally your liability is limited in mm-hmm. that you are not you are not your business anymore. 
your business is one entity, you're another entity. And so if there were a claim on your business, the only, the only thing that would be fair game in that situation would be your business assets, not your own personal assets. Mm -hmm. So that's the separation is really, really important. And it doesn't seem important when you're starting out because it's like, oh yeah, like it probably, you know, I mean, in every way, it's like, yeah, I think that big at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. But you want to be thinking long term when you're starting your business because you're not, you know, you're not, you're not starting, you don't start a business and have this dream and have this like entrepreneur mindset, like whatever you call it on your heart to try it for a week and then be like, okay, like, <laughs> no one came to, no one wanted to work with me. So I think I'm done now. Like, that's not, you know, that's not the vibe. So another thing that an LLC does is puts you in that, holy fuck, I'm a CEO now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is a whole different mindset. And you start thinking like a CEO instead of someone who maybe just wants to just try to be a coach for a month. And then if they don't have if they don't have a 10k month after 30 days they're like fuck this <laughs> <laughs> seriously yeah no you're you're committed to the vision you're committed to the bigness of it and you're committed to the steps that it takes for you to actually create a sustainable model and sustainable business that you feel supported and protected in so i really like that um i know that when i first started i was like I just wanted to begin and I had no idea where to start. And so like, I went the hard route of like figuring it out all myself and like doing all the tax research and business registration. And I think like looking back, it would definitely have been a lot easier if I had hired a lawyer or someone to consult me in making those kind of decisions. And I think that makes a huge difference. So how do you want the process for how do you want the process to feel for somebody who is wanting to hire a lawyer? Like, what would you like their experience to feel like? Mm, I love this question. I want it to feel safe and approachable and easy. Like mm. I want you to feel so with like my, so like when you come up on my social media, I want you to be like, hell yeah, I'm going to DM this girl. She seems yeah. cool. She seems like really nice. Like let's like an approachable let's let's, I can talk to her. I can ask her questions that maybe I would be afraid to ask if I were going to, you know, a bunch of men in suits at a law firm. Like, I want you to feel like you can ask me the questions and you can be honest with me and you can tell me what's going on in your business because otherwise Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, that's how I can best help you. And I just, I want it to feel easy. I want it to be, I don't want you to be intimidated by the process because I'm literally here to hold, you know, I'm here to hold you in it. I'm not here to, you know, get you a contract and send you on your way and never talk to you again. I want you to feel like, I want you to feel supported. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think that when it comes to hiring a lawyer the process is incredibly daunting and I know like I watch suits so I think I love suits <laughs> me too <laughs> Harvey Specter oh. I'm like oh my god intimidating like yes yeah. you're like yes but also so yeah I think like having the really spiritual like nurturing supportive female entrepreneur lawyer could be such a different experience than just showing up at a law firm or hiring someone else who's local to you. And so I think that you will offer yeah. really 
opportunity for that. Yes. And I will say too, just for people that are like interested in contacting me and wondering like where I live and stuff, you, so what I do, the things that I do, I just need a license for. So don't like, don't worry about, you know, oh, I, she lives, I live in Detroit, Michigan. And I, she's like someone else is in Texas. Like she can't write my contract. Like, no, I absolutely can. And trademarks are, are federal. So like, I, I, yeah, that's just, that's, those are the things that I focus on and I can do them. I just will not go to court with you. I don't want to. <laughs> no, I would not no, want thank to. You. My goal is to prevent that from happening before, before, you know, prevent problems before they start. And then we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Oh, so like if someone wanted to work with you and they wanted to hire you on first, I want to ask, do you strictly work within the United States or can you work within other countries as well? So I pretty much I'm United States. I will do, I, I do know how to do international trademarks because mm-hmm. this is, you know, something I worked on um, yeah. previously. So I can do that and I'm willing to do that. I also can do, tra- I can do contracts mm-hmm. depending, like I will do, I feel I will do con like it's hard. It's kind of blurry because it's, you know, a contract is a contract kind of everywhere. There's definitely yeah. different nuances, but you know, if someone is working with you and they live in like you're in Costa Rica, they're in Canada. Well, you're Canadian, so maybe that's not the best example. You're in Costa Rica, you're you're from Canada, you're you're Canadian, they're yeah. in the US, like they're gonna still sign in the same contract. So it's it's kind yeah. of like like I'm definitely willing to do it in that situation. If there's you know, someone that lives in Japan and they only take Japanese clients, I'm definitely not going to touch that. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 But I definitely, there's, I've definitely done stuff for, for in Canada before, for sure. Okay. Cause I've got a lot of Canadian and United States clients. And so I think that because we're so close to each other, there's a lot of overlap as well. So then your ideal client, who do you like to work with coaches? Obviously, do you, are you pretty broad in your, in your clientele or are you focus in on one specific type of entrepreneur? I'm pretty broad. I love, of course, I love working with coaches. I love working with the spiritual woman, the spiritual entrepreneur, the woman that is really like just the woman that is really, you know, in tune with that, that kind of thing, the spirit, the universe law of attraction and understands it from that perspective, because that's who I am. And really that's just, who's like drawn the work with me, honestly. And I love that because it's really, it makes like, I get so excited when, you know, a healer comes to me and someone that's like never really cared about any of that. Cause they're just kind of like, yeah, I'm supported. Like it's cool. And it's like, yes, you're supported. You're so supported. The universe wants, you know, your universe higher self wants you to have this beautiful abundant business. But at the same time, you need to come down to the 3d and take that aligned action. And so I love working with those, with those women that, I mean, I, I'll work with men too. I love work. I would love to work with men women seem to want to work with me more so than men. And it just makes total sense. It's like helping them kind of get their legal in order. And also, you know, I look at it as a way of like really owning your goddess power, your CEO, you know, your CEO, higher self, like all of that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, spiritual women, 
Yeah. Just like that's who I work with. <laughs> I feel like because you work with very spiritual women they they probably tend to be a lot more feminine and with the feminine, it's very much like go with the flow. Like the universe is supporting me. Like I'm good. I'm protected no matter what. But then you almost offer like this divine masculine support of like, Hey, like, let's make sure on a practical level that you are mm-hmm. actually supported and like, we'll put a contract into place so that your feminine can get even bigger and more abundant. And I know that Absolutely. was the thing with me where it's like, we can only expand as big as like deep as we're willing to go. Mm-hmm. And so on the deep practical level, there's some stuff that we do need to put into place to make sure that our expansion is fully supported so that we don't yeah. just like float off into the ethers and like get lost. And we're like, fuck, how am I going to deal with this practical reality? Exactly. Shit? <laughs> it's like, that is the, like the divine, ma- you know, it is massive. Yeah. Like it totally is masculine energy. And honestly, I had no idea feminine versus masculine when I started my legal career. And it all just makes so much sense now. I'm like, oh my God, I've been like, literally like it's so, cause it's hard to switch between the two, right? But you, the masculine supports the feminine. And so when we're, you know, and, and allows the feminine to truly be in her creative power, be in her, you know, show up fully at 110% for her clients and, it's really like having that underlying support so that you know, yes, you're supported by the universe, but also we need to be supported in the 3D mm-hmm. in the event that you have. A, so I always do like to say, so I learned, this is one of the first things I learned in law school. And I always like to tell people because sometimes it like, people are like, well, why do I need this? It seems extreme. And it's like, well, because when something happens, it's going to be the one crazy client that you have that is, you know, doing some shady, like, well, who knows? You mean, you never know, but like oftentimes if someone is trying to take legal action against you for whatever reason, or trying to get their money back because they didn't like the results that you delivered, even though they did nothing to get those results, you know, we want to make sure that you're protected from the most extreme situations. And so it's just the support. It's like, it's like your, it's your foundation of your business. And then you can just go and be in your ethers, be in your high, you know, be in your higher self, do your thing, like be in your, and be your embodied goddess, but like the embodied goddess also make sure that she's supported as fuck in every way and, mm-hmm. and protected in every way. So yeah, so that's, what's, it's so important. It is. It is so important. Ah, so good. So good. This is such a good conversation. I'm so grateful. I feel like there's so many golden nuggets and like gems of wisdom within there. And so if someone wants to work with you and hire you, what is, where do they find you? How do you work with people? And what would be the process of coming into your world? Amazing. So I, so my Instagram is really where I find people and people find me. I don't really, that's, I'm like, also, I'm kind of like, you know, little, little feminine. I do not have, I don't have a website. (laughs) um, So I just, I just do everything on Instagram. And so my Instagram is alyssacaner.co and the .co is super important because my other Instagram is still out there and it was hacked. And so um, we don't, we we don't want to reach out to that other one because I will not I will not see it because I've been blocked. Um, but so usually what I do, I usually start off in, in the DMs with people. And then, you know, I like to set up yeah. a call. So I love to 
you know, we don't necessarily have to do that. We can definitely talk in the DMs if like what you need is pretty simple, but I think it's really, I think the connection is really important. And I love to connect mm-hmm. with my clients over Zoom. So I usually will do a initial call and gather information and, and talk to people. And I definitely want to offer everyone that's listening to this podcast, a free connection call. And that's generally how I do it. I usually like have have people fill out a questionnaire and then we kind of take it from there. Um, it's pretty easy, pretty easy process to get into my world. Just always a DM away, honestly. Yes, amazing. Oh, amazing. You are amazing. This is so beautiful. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I will leave all the links to your Instagram below in the show notes. So if anybody wants to find you, they will find you there. And just thank you for sharing all of your magic and your wisdom on this podcast. So thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you. This was so fun. That's a good time. Yes. Thank you.